0: Welcome to Food and Loathing, which we like to think of as food for your ears and your mind. That's all about food for your mouth and your stomach. shit I don't even know what that means but hey I am Al Mancini joined by my engineer Rich Johnson and our favorite chef in the world or at least our favorite amongst those who invite us to record in their backyards on a regular basis (laughs) the one and only Rick Moonen. Yo 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 what's up Al? Hey Rick great to be back. (laughs) Yes indeed. Um, Rick before you and I get to the one place we both dined together this week when I want to start our where have we been what have we done segment with you because um you've been traveling and I know you've been to some of my favorite cities seen some of my favorite people Mm -hmm. tell us about it my friend i'm just gonna sit back
1: and listen well it all started in austin when i was doing my job with the tasting menu but at the end of the at the end of the week on thursday i went to see chris stapleton what an amazing performer just live, like, front row seats. It was amazing. Then the next morning, I flew to New Orleans. New Orleans. Yep, to support my good buddy Emer Legasse at his Carnival du Vin, or Vin. They like to mispronounce it in New Orleans because they do whatever they want. <laughs> they can pronounce anything they work. want any way they want down there. So, you know, went up on stage with my wife, Ronnie, and we give away our, you know, little things at our house. Raised a lot of money. It was a lot of fun. Then the next morning, <laughs> a few hours after that ended, 3 a.m., I leave my hotel oh. in New Orleans to get on an airplane at 5 a.m. with you see, Normally when I leave my hotel at 3 a.m. in the morning in that it's to get into some trouble. No, people were coming in. We're like, rolling in, yeah. People from the, the event were actually coming in as I'm waiting for an Uber. It was pretty <laughs> So I'm uh, with Andrew Zimmern because uh, he was EMC'd the whole Carnival de Vin this year. And then he and I had to uh, go fly up to Hyde Park through LaGuardia Airport in a car to get up there, the Hudson River, to be judges for the Kahala Clash, which is a was a cooking competition for students of the CIA. Winning bunches of money for their as uh, scholarships, et cetera, et cetera. So that was a lot of fun. Stayed an extra night to hang out with my son. Went to dinner. Just hung out at a place called Wagamama.
0: Hey, Chris, if you're listening, oh. we miss you in Vegas. <laughs> your son lived in Las Vegas for a while and um, worked uh, in one almost, of your restaurants, Almost four right? years. Yeah. He was,
1: he was, yeah, he was a manager for me for three. That was a whole, a whole other episode. Yeah. <laughs> and, I, and I got back uh, yesterday. So I am back, and we're doing this, and I am excited. But last night. The, went to the, the restaurant that we both
0: and we visited. are going to get to that in a second but first i want to know what rich has been up to and oh, then we'll boy. get to what you and i have been up to <laughs> all right because rich is
2: going to be pissed off when he yeah. hears what we've been up oh, to. oh i'm i'm, I'm <laughs> trying to get my uh you know I, I, if only i knew a guy who knew a guy so i could get in there but that's another story R- well rick
0: pulled that on me yesterday <laughs> i did i did and i'll do it again I'll, i have no shame you know i,
2: I love going to uh, downtown, and uh, along with the Plaza, where I do another podcast, I like going to the other end, which is El Cortez, which turned 80 last week, Las Vegas' oldest continually operating hotel casino. I found a regular barber there, Uh, I I seem to do reasonably well at slots, and I finally get back to one of the last 24-hour coffee shops around, Siegel's 1941, named for the the original owner, uh, Benny, Benny Bugsy Siegel. And it was Wednesday. It was Senior Discount Day. Look at you. Yeah, <laughs> look at you. So I had the prime rib special: eight ounces of cow, potatoes, veg, two ways to dip it: au jus and horseradish cream. Fourteen ninety-five for that, so did chip uh, and even twenty bucks. And yeah, it was a fourteen ninety-five piece of prime rib. Yeah, a little challenging, mm-hmm. but it hit the spot, and I won about <laughs> twenty bucks in the slot, so it was a push.
0: They're Ugh. gonna put that on. Well, you're getting, next time you guys fly into Vegas, anybody flies into Vegas and they see like a big billboard that says. A little challenging, but it hit the spot.
2: (laughs) Get the prime rib rich.
0: Spiegel's an
1: okay place to
2: eat. (laughs) Yes, as opposed to Jerry's Nugget. That's a different prime. I'll have to try that someday, but uh, next time. Uh, It's made me go on a mission, which I'm going to do between now and Thanksgiving or a little after. I'm going to try to find more coffee shops. Especially the 24-hour jobs in casinos because they've mm-hmm. sort of uh, diminished over the decades. And they no longer, in the industry
0: standard, it's no longer called the coffee shop. Yeah. It's now the three-meal restaurant. I think that's or, what they oh, call is that it. Oh, the new one. Yeah, I'm that's not, the 24-hour the the they, restaurant. Or they're, or they're not all day. 24 hours. Anymore. I know. And, that's and the other thing.
2: That's that's my that's my bottom line. Yeah, I better be able to get in there at 3 a.m. and get a decent bacon and eggs, over easy toast and hash browns.
0: While Which, we're at seagulls, um, great. You know, I <laughs> I would not have the prime rib there. I haven't had it there, <laughs> no. so I'm. Gonna, Mostly I have breakfast there, which like, is excellent.
2: But don't they also bring in the um, stone crabs yeah, once a year yeah. at a
0: really good price? they, uh, stone they do. Season? It was like
2: 30 or 40 bucks for a few stone crabs. I saw the ad. And I they get good partake ones.
1: In, Bottom know. line, Seagulls is great. Just don't go for the bargains. Yeah, don't go for yeah. the bargains Should yeah, kind bring, of be a rule. Bring a few life. bucks. Come gonna, on, bring, you got people it. Used to bit, people used to go to the
0: old Hard Rock and order the seven seventy seven steak and shrimp, and then go. <laughs> they complained to my friends who worked there that it wasn't a good steak. No, <laughs> no kidding, <you laughs> <Yeah>. really. Seven dollars <laughs> steak. Well,
2: you know, I've been to the Ellis Island uh, promo a couple of times. These seven ninety five steak dinner, mm. which. I've had one that is brown all the way through, while my dining companion had one that was raw all the way through. A little inconsistent. Mm-hmm. But I always love the baked potato. It's so good with the little <laughs> tubes of sour cream and all. That's another story. Uh-huh. Hey, I want to follow up on crab fries that you talked a while back about Chickies and Pete's, uh-huh. the Philly sensation open at the Sahara now. Uh, you know, I. I I haven't had them. I was thinking of going there. I I haven't gotten there yet, but I looked it up online because I had a friend who was going to the the Chargers-Eagles game in Philly last week, and I said, hey, can you go try the fries? She did not get a chance to do that, but I look at a website and I look at what they are. There's no crab in the crab fries.
0: No, nobody it's, ever said
2: there were. <laughs> God, I don't know. I okay. see the word crab. It, it's just crinkle cut okay. fries with Old Bay put on. It. Rich,
0: this is what I. Okay, yeah, so <laughs> yeah,
2: well, there yeah, you it's go.
0: Old Bay, and you, you go ahead. Say, say, finish your
2: rant. Philly's and- famous fries has appropriated Baltimore's signature seasoning
0: this is why he should come along to some of these things that I've added to do. if he had been there when I was interviewing actually hell if he had just listened to the interview when we played it back in this yeah. podcast he would know <laughs> number one they're supposed to be served in the Ravens Stadium right that is in Baltimore isn't it and um, they, I think yeah, they're the best selling they're the best-selling I was told football snack in the history of football that was in the quote and you're the football guy that gives me my scores on my radio every week and I you know there, there were plenty of opportunities uh, for you to know that that's what they were you could have come with me and eaten them you could have listened to the freaking interview that I did that you pushed the play button for on this Ritch, show Ritch, <laughs> he did not what but we hey did go interview? google it and complain because that we live in America Shame. And if you can find something to bitch about on Google you <laughs> may as well <laughs> hey, do it if,
2: if I didn't have bitch we wouldn't have a show
0: Yeah, that's true uh, <laughs> okay um, so before we get to the big deal the place where Rich and I dined Rich hasn't despite asking me repeatedly to get him in I'll hit him up with <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) with a few other things that I've done recently. I did lunch at Johnny C.'s Diner, including some foie gras pancakes. That place is awesome. It's also not going to be in its current location for long. I wasn't able to chat with Johnny, so hopefully next week we'll have some info from Johnny Church on what is next for him. I believe December 12th being the last time to get into his current spot. Have no fear. Johnny has big plans. Um, I spoke to some folks in there, and hopefully we'll have tape on that next week. He's moving on up. Yes. I also had some snacks at the Cobb at Wynn Las Vegas. I really like that place. I like Michael and Jenna Morton. Places far too frequently overlooked. Had a great beef filet crostini um, with blue cheese and truffle cream. Excellent crab ravioli. I feel like um, that's a restaurant where people with discerning tastes go when they're in Win, but they didn't make any plans. They kind of forgot. They got they got delayed at the blackjack yeah. table, and they're like, ah, shit, we'll just go into this place. There's yep. communal seating, but it's really an excellent um, restaurant, and I, I recommend people. That, go. I love I it. Used I love
2: to it. be the, uh, the- the country club uh, steakhouse for me but that's, that's closed for whatever it's eventually going to be. Yeah. So Lakov is now on my list.
0: Cool. Definitely check out Lakov. From there I went over to Resorts World to attend the grand opening grand opening party for 8 Cigar Lounge. I saw all the celebrity cigar lockers. Gretzky, Michael Jordan, Luke Bryan, they all have them there. Um, but while I like a good cigar, and I even brought one um, today for one of you guys to share because I only <laughs> had one. Um, what's the point if it's not accompanied by high-end spirits? So in the midst of the packed party, I kept cornering the owners, partners, managers, anybody important that I could find to ask what they were pouring for those who like the finer things. Here's John Petty, who I finally tracked down.
3: We have some wonderful, wonderful scotches, uh, bourbons, whiskeys. Bourbon is really you know, great with cigars, so we'll have the Weller you know, Antique Collection here from George T. Stagg, Happy uh, Van Winkle, 15-year, 23-year, uh, Thomas Handy Rye, um, as far as tequilas, some really great tequilas that we're bringing in. Um, you know, as far as cognacs go, we've got Louis Right. Yeah. Some wonderful scotches. Um, the Macallan Series, right? Everything from 12, the Sherry Cask, Double Oak to the 18 to 25, Macallan M, Macallan Rare Cask. Um, really interesting bottle that we have is the Port Ellen 37-year. Really great scotch. Con Dalmore, 32-year, um, really cool, different spirits. here. also some Japanese whiskey. Um, a lot
0: of cool things. Huh? Uh, I could just listen to people name great whiskies and spirits all, all day long. <laughs> oh, yeah, it made me made me happy. So I have some more interviews to share later in the show. Um, congrats to the folks at Eight Cigar. Uh, but first, now, let's get to the, the big thing for this segment. Um, talk about knowing a guy who knows a guy. Harlow, we've been talking about for a while. Gina Marinelli's new steakhouse in downtown Summerlin. I finally got in for a friends and family. They invited me. I know Rich has been bugging uh, me that he wants to go. Yeah, but yeah. I brought my wife instead um, because she's, you gotta do it. she's prettier. Yeah. <laughs>
2: I mean, uh, and can't, I know, can't
4: fault
0: that. Yeah, um, you can't. You can't. <laughs> no, anyway I buy, brought my yeah. wife instead it was great I started asking though I asked one of the owners like hey you know I know people that want to get in why not? what should I tell people on my podcast and they're like well, just tell him Evo, call Evo, right? Evo, the front of the house guy yep. who's there. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, I don't understand. Is it open to the public? Is it only friends and family? And they're like, it's still, you got to know a guy to know a guy to get into this place. <laughs> yep. And it's going to be that way at Harlow for a while while they work out all the kinks. So if you guys do know Evo Angelov, um, I, I'd say give him a call. He is the keeper of the keys. Otherwise drop in. And then lo and behold, as I'm, I'm writing up my script for this, I get a little text message from Rick. Because I was about to give, Rich, the info, and then Rick Moonen's like, "Hey, I'd really like to get into Harlow tonight." And I'm like, "Ah, you know what? I'm I'm stepping out. I'm putting you in touch with Evo, (laughs) and you got in last night, I I believe." So now the two of us have been. Rich
1: hasn't. That you know, sad for him.
2: Thanks for keeping that in.
0: Um,
1: So, what do you think? Let's start with what you thought. I was totally blown away. I really was. I mean, because I've been to uh, Andiron, it's it's predecessor. And it was completely different. Nothing is similar whatsoever. You wouldn't even know you are in the same space. They took it. They spent some money. They made a swanky. Overall, the atmosphere is very high-end. I mean, when I say high-end, I mean, like, you feel like you went into a nightclub. But not a banging nightclub. It's like old style music playing, background, the bar. It's like gorgeous. an ultra lounge kind of nightclub, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Calm you know? instead the of praying. They're old, the playing old, the old style music. Oh, they yeah. change it through the night and it's not blasting. You can talk in it. The place is well appointed. Evo was amazing. You know, and it's basically it's, they just want to have friends and, and people. They want everybody to know each other when you go there. You know, you're sitting at this table and you're hey, you know that guy, you know that guy. And that's how they're trying to set it up. But it's so worth getting into the food was spot on gina she knows her stuff you know uh and uh, her sous chef or the guy running the line used to work for me as well great guy you know that's how it turns out to be everybody
0: understand. always works for you at yeah, some point man a lot of, of people of. have gone through your kitchens man yeah this is true
1: but what a, what a great experience and i think if you know evo give Evo a
0: call. Yeah, and they are still working out kinks. That's really important to be fair to them about that. There were some some. you know, when you see somebody during friends and family I don't look to see if they mess up the service. I actually look to see if they're paying attention to whether they're messing up. Does it, that make no, any sense? It, and you could tell that these people were studying their service. They they were trying to be on their game so even when they missed, you
1: know that two weeks from now they're going to be a thousand times better. I took a friend of mine. He's in the caviar business in California. He raises great caviar. His name's Michael Passmore. And Michael was my guest last night, and there's a lot of caviar. It's featured on the mm-hmm. Harlow menu, you know. So we had all the little tasting things: yeah, the, the taco, the egg, and and the uh, the macaron, which you know you think a sweet. And caviar. Blew my mind.
0: I think it was Yuzo in that macaron. Wow. Yuzo
1: was caviar. so good in the, yeah. in, the, in, the, in the sommelier. Liz, she... she Liz she's, is great. I've known Liz since oh, Nove Italiana. She's, so into she's it. fantastic. She made some yep. suggestions that made it so harmonious. The whole experience was just stellar. Yeah.
0: And I will say about the caviar because they get it from um, from from Forte. Forte mm. Tapas from right. Nina Manchev over there. I really wanted to do a full caviar setup and I asked Evo, I said, can I do the caviar? And he, he pulled out a um, um, he pulled out his phone and showed me the caviar cart that is on order and he's like I don't want to give you the full service until we get this cart wow. so for now let me just send you out these little bites
1: and the bites were fantastic and my friend attention to detail as soon as we sat down the lady that brought us to our table unfolds a napkin and puts it on your lap he just sat there his jaw dropped he says no one does that anymore wow. so yeah. they're really trying it's
0: yeah great. I mean the only thing that I, that I wonder about and I don't want to say anything negative or disparaging because I love the place but I do wonder it, it seems like a place that you want to get dressed up for. Right, I mean, I want to look nicer than I usually do when I go into that restaurant downtown. And Summerlin doesn't matter. Will downtown Summerlin yeah. care? I, I, don't know. Yeah, it, it, no. it's, it's going to be weird. I don't no. think that the people in downtown Summerlin are going to necessarily want to get dressed You're up. You're going to want to do it on your own. I don't think they're no. going to have a dress code. My, my, uh, my prediction. But I hope more people do. Okay, look, our main segment this week is about Spanish cuisine in Las Vegas, and we have two great chefs lined up from Haleo and Valencian Gold. But because that segment was inspired by a recent live Las Vegas weekly cover story by our friend Brock Radke. I thought it would only be fair to chat with Brock first. We're just going to roll them together, but don't worry. It's easy to follow along at home. You're all smart people out there. This is Food and Loathing.
5: so brock
0: man thanks a lot for joining us i really appreciate it today i wanted to have you on to chat about um spanish food here in las vegas because the the piece that we're doing this entire podcast segment was inspired by your weekly cover story well, on you're stage. welcome thank you Sarah. thank <laughs> you for giving me ideas because i don't come up with them on my own that easily <laughs> oh, come on
6: come on it's it, no, it, really cool i'm glad uh, i'm glad it came out so well
0: It was a great package. Could you tell me what inspired it? Yeah, two reasons. One is
6: that I noticed just in my own experience of, you know, coming out of the pandemic, going back out to eat with friends again, that we were choosing restaurants that we could go and have a much more of like a social experience because that's what we miss so much, like trying new dishes, passing stuff around the table and that kind of eating just works really well with Spanish cuisine, right? We've got like the model of tapas. Mm -hmm. Uh, Specifically in Las Vegas, we've got the uh, blueprint of Firefly, which was kind of the first Spanish restaurant, tapas restaurant in Las Vegas. It has always been a very social and energetic uh, dining experience. So yeah, that was part of it. And then the other reason was I returned to, uh, I guess you would say, food editor duties at Las Vegas Weekly uh, months ago after focusing on some other things in recent years. And in my uh, you know, attempt to kind of reacclimate to the scene here and find out what I'm supposed to be, uh, what are the hot new places, I started asking people like you and, and chef friends and restaurant friends, where do I need to go? What are, what, what are the places that I don't know about? Uh, because I haven't been centered on this for a while. And Spanish restaurants were top of mind for everybody. Everybody was telling me to, to go to Edo, to go to Valencian gold, uh, to go to Brian Howard said one of his favorite places was, uh, Hamon, Hamon on, on Sahara, which I had never heard of before. So
0: yeah, I, I've just got an invite finally to go in there. So how was it? I've got to get my own ass in there.
6: It's great. It's very like, uh. The chef there is very like, uh, and this is what Brian said too, he's like uncompromising, like he's doing the traditional stuff that he wants to do, and he's doing these big grand presentations and things like that, and he doesn't, you know. And that's another cool thing about the Spanish restaurant landscape here right now, is though, even though there's not that many restaurants, everybody's kind of doing things their own way.
0: Yeah. So did you discover anything new, exciting other than Hamon Hamon? Anything like that? That was a new trend? Or was it just, we're, we're just embracing that, that culinary landscape right now?
6: I think, I'm not sure why that seems to be like hot right now. Because again, there are not a ton of Spanish restaurants in Las Vegas. And I don't think there ever have been. Um, but I think it is emblematic of what's going on in other cuisines too, where you do have chef-driven Uh, concepts. It doesn't matter what kind of food it is or what kind of dining experience it is, fine dining, casual, whatever. It's all about the chef right now and and everybody... Using their own individual style, so that, I think that was the most fun thing about exploring these restaurants.
0: Well, you did a great job and great job visually. I kind of feel bad that I can't tell people to go pick up a print copy of that issue of Las Vegas Weekly because it was a gorgeously, beautifully laid out <laughs> ad, um, package that you did for that. But it is still available online. So just, I'm guessing you just Google Brock Radke, Las Vegas Weekly, <laughs> Spanish, Spanish food, yeah, and it just go. shows up. You all know how to do Google at yeah, this. We point. got
6: great photographers and design people. You know, it does doesn't really matter matter what i type it's all about how things look especially when you're talking about food so
0: <laughs> cool man well thanks a lot um anything that you would recommend any one or two spanish dishes that you discovered while you were doing this that people need to try
6: um i think just go to i would just go to valencian gold and just like do whatever they're doing whatever the specials are whatever they're doing there because they're having so much fun uh over there that that's how, you, that's how you know that something is working when the kitchen is having a lot of fun.
0: Cool. We're, we're, we are about to go speak with Jeff Weiss, and he's going to tell us about what he's doing. Thank you so much for taking some time out of your day to come and chat with me here. And um, everybody, read Brock Radke in Las Vegas Weekly. He's awesome. Ola. And I promise you that will probably be my last attempt to speak Spanish in this episode, at least with regard to the Spanish language, not Spanish food. I'll still be saying things like jamón and whatever. Um, We'll be speaking Spanish food for the next 20 or 30 minutes or so because, as my friend and colleague Brock Radke put it in a recent Las Vegas Weekly cover story, Las Vegas suddenly has a splashy Spanish food scene. I feel like I should say something about it being En Fuego or El Fuego or something with Fuego, but I would be betraying my promise not to keep speaking Spanish, so I'm not going to do that. Anyway, um, rather than having rich and myself try to educate you on spanish food in las vegas we're coming to you for this segment from jose andreas's Haleo in the cosmopolitan of las vegas very important you say that full thing or you get yelled at by cosmo people oh like right yeah. um, and i have two chefs who can tackle this topic without risking any mispronunciations or Ooh. international Ooh. incidents
5: that's that's, that's pressure that's
0: yep. <laughs> first up our host for the afternoon is eric suniga is it suniga or suniga eric suniga suniga there i'm I just screwed it Let up it twice. Flow. Anyway, head chef here at Haleo, Eric. I think I first met you when you were at um, Culinary Dropout in the Hard Rock. Yeah, I think it was yep. there. Maybe even a couple
4: times previous to that, between yeah. back of the house brawls and back of the house all of that. Brawls, which we kind of mayhem going on in those brawls.
0: days. <laughs> most of the But yeah, it's been a few years now. Um, also on your resume you've worked for Thomas Keller, Michael Mina and before taking a position at Jose Andres's Think Food Group in 2013 and I believe you were my chef the last time I had the pleasure of dining in E by it, Jose Correct. Andreas, right? Correct. Yeah. Which is the scene. So hey man, good to see you again. It's
4: great to have you here. You, Thank you I'm for excited having to have me. this been listening to you for the I think just about since you got started doing this so well, thanks it's great being on one here person yeah.
0: had to be <laughs> I, know that, man. I, I must have that.
4: stumbled across it somehow i i had,
0: thanks, Just man. stuck um also joining us today is my friend jeffrey weiss the man who brought paella to the people as they have it on the wall at valencian gold in the, the southwest valley Um, Like so many Spanish chefs in Las Vegas, Weiss is also a veteran of the Jose Andres organization. And it was Andres who recommended him for an international culinary exchange hosted by the Spanish government which gave him the opportunity to train at some of Spain's top restaurants. I won't bore you with his resume, but it goes deep. It's not boring. Um, Also, if you're interested in Spanish charcuterie, please pick up a copy of his book, Charcuteria, The Soul of Spain, which has a foreword by Chef Andreas and is available on Amazon. I checked it out this morning. It was $30.99 with one-day delivery. And that was actually the new price. I don't give out the used prices because I know you don't get any royalties on that. And I appreciate that. As someone who's um, lived on book royalties, I know you can't live on book royalties no matter what. Uh, this but is damn true. Damn those people who buy um, who buy used copies. Uh,
5: you know, as long as the information's out there, I'm thrilled to death, man. It's uh, it's been it's just went into its second uh, second edition second printing. I'm blown away. Ten years and going oh that's awesome yeah that's right? awesome has it been 10 years wow I, don't say that wow <laughs> that <was laughs> no amazing. you put it out
0: there I did, I did i did um so jeff you just relaunched valencian gold yeah. by the way um a little more of a sit-down concept than it started off as mm-hmm. um i know you started it almost as kind of a, a chipotle kind of build you know, your own yeah. paella so now you're doing it as a full service how's it
5: been since the relaunch absolutely fantastic and i I'm so busy, I had to, like, rush my butt over here and uh, get into the wrong parking garage and then come up the wrong side and then (laughs) sprint down to come uh, hang out with you guys. I'm... I'm uh, you know, thrilled to be here with you, Alex. Uh, thank you for the, the invite. Thanks for coming. Yeah. And
0: Eric, man, how's everything mm-hmm. back at Haleo and all of Jose's restaurants, Chef Andreas's restaurants? I act like mm. he's my buddy there. I'm just name dropping it. <laughs> he's an amazing, he's uh, how, an amazing How's everything going over here, man? Great, great. You know, it's,
4: uh, I think everybody's felt this, you know, coming oh. back from, from being closed down for a while. We were lucky enough to open Haleo back up in uh, early July. So we've been going well over a year now so
0: and everything's still happening in e in the back room which i just want to give a plug to that if you're listening and you do not know what E by Jose Andres is, it is probably the most exquisite dining experience you can get in Las Vegas. One of the most exquisite dining experiences in the world. A ta- One table seats about how many people? One table. We are uh, seating six right now. Okay. Uh, and then what, about seven chefs for those six people? I uh, mean, it's right insane. Now we're then. actually, you know, we're right
4: at six. So it's about one chef for every guest, uh, plus a- another psalm in the room. And, you know, we've kind of transitioned over the years to have it be a very chef-driven room you know chefs clearing marking doing all of the tasks Mm
0: And kind of throughout the whole service. The thing is, Jose Andreas is known to most Americans for three things. Number one is his charitable work, which mm-hmm. is just outstanding. They should just make him a saint. And, Absolutely. Um, I know he has a saint candle, I, I have like a candle on the wall, <laughs> on the yeah. wall at your <laughs> restaurant, you Jeff. It, yeah. um, he's also known for br- introducing Americans to tapas and a lot of Spanish cuisines. And then, really, a pioneer of the Spanish avant garde movement that a lot of people will call molecular gastronomy, although he does not like it when I say that. <laughs> um, and I feel like E, this back room, this uh-huh. six people a table experience is really where you go when you want to see all of the bells and whistles of that molecular gastronomy spanish avant-garde um you know just things that start off as powder and turn into smoke and somewhere in between you eat them like that kind of, <laughs> just craziness you know so it,
4: it brings a very fun aspect of dining absolutely yeah
0: so um i i recommend you only make reservations via, via um, what email you have to email somebody to get a reservation, or could when they call to get reservations?
4: Back? Uh, they would make a reservation through seven rooms. Okay, cool.
0: Anyway, so that's all of the plugs for now. Let's talk about Spanish cuisine in Las mm-hmm. Vegas. I feel like Spanish cuisine had its moment on a national level over 20 years ago, mm-hmm. maybe not attributable to chef andreas maybe it was maybe it was because of what he was doing and down in dc but um i remember in the late 90s a lot of tapas places popping up in brooklyn mm-hmm. las vegas however has been a little slow a little to little slower the party. Than that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. uh when i moved here in 2001 we had firefly and i'm always going to give them props for really being you know for holding down the fort of mm-hmm. spanish and tapas in las vegas but yeah things have really blown up as brock radke Properly pointed out in a weekly cover story. Did he have it right? I mean, are we seeing a moment for Spanish cuisine in
5: Las Vegas? I think what's really unique and interesting about the Spanish moment, if you will, in, in Las Vegas is this. We all kind of do our own thing, and it all has something to do with some part of Spain. Valencia and Gold, we're following very much kind of Valencia- Wood-fired paella and the tapas, and we're kind of be- melding it into this sort of a lot of American flavors, but it's it is very much at its heart following something that I found and fell in love with in, in Valencia and those parts of Spain. Our good friends at EDO, they, it seems to me they they're, they follow kind of more of a Catalan bend, and there's a lot of like like a Catalan flavors and Catalan you know, influence there. I mean, and, and Jose and all his various restaurants, they kind of fi- follow their little niche, and it's it's neat that there's there's so much to talk about at the same time not so much of crossing over we all have our own thing to say and we're all adding to the dialogue right
0: um chef eric mm-hmm. of all of jose Andres' restaurants in las vegas jaleo is probably the most traditionally spanish correct? absolutely
4: absolutely you know i think it's it started off that way with the jose's you know opening up the first jaleo and you say, you know, introducing this tapas-style dining to, to the United States, showcasing, as, as Chef was mentioning, you know, every region has, has their own specialty. Mm-hmm. And Haleo is just kind of that outlet where we're able to kind of pull a little bit from every region just to kind of help. Well, not help. But we're, you know, spreading the word. Doing more than helping. Well, You're definitely clearing the path in a lot gospel. of ways. Spreading the gospel. You know, it's, it, it all starts with amazing product.
0: Um, I have a list of topics that I'd like to hmm. discuss. When I, when, things that come to mind when I think about Spanish food. And I'll run them down first, then we'll hit them one by one. Um, tapas, what it means. Paella, jamón cheese to a lesser degree, mm-hmm. eggs, mm-hmm. and then I want to talk about booze because we were in Vegas and we have to talk about booze, um, but that those cherry. are really, I think, the topics that, that you want to just have a cursory knowledge of if you walk into a Spanish restaurant. Sure, Maybe I'm wrong. If I missed one, please mm-hmm. jump in and let me know, uh, but let's start with tapas, tapas. Uh, now, as I was introduced to the concept, and I've only been to Spain once, um, but it's more like just a way to keep people from getting too drunk while drinking. Right. <laughs> it's like sort of a law that uh-huh. if you want to go to a bar and get drunk, they've got to
5: give you a little bit of Gotta food keep, to keep your stomach full. Is that uh, is that the nature of tapas in Spain? That's a hundred percent correct. Well <laughs> mostly correct. Mostly hundred percent correct, right? Right. So Tapas, I mean when I was researching for the book and we went into this portion of the show, tapas are either, you know, tapa is a cover. And so the idea was back in the day when they were drinking sherry or these kind of these things that flies like to get into, they would put a piece of ham or a piece of bread over the over the drink. Hand you the drink, you'd have a snack. You'd have a drink. That's one way of thinking. The other way of thinking is oh, exactly what you said. Like the, I think one of the kings of Spain, I forget who it is. I don't know my kings of Spain so well, but he made he made a law that said, hey, if you're a bar and you serve something to drink, you got to serve something to eat with it. And so in Spain, like I mean, I I lived there for over a year on the scholarship and everything. It doesn't matter where you are, but mainly in Madrid. You will always get a little snacky with your drink, and it's gratis. It's it's part of it, but it's you know you're paying a little bit for it as well. Um, that's the one thing in America. Here, we've kind of taken that idea of tapas. It's more small plates, and it, you know we don't we don't restaurants don't like the F word free. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> free. Yeah, nothing free. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, it's for the most part in, in restaurants here, we're talking more about small plates, and that's. I mean, in my opinion, I think Jose was really one of the ones who proliferated that at Haleo back in the day. As I understood the story and and drank the Kool Aid, mm-hmm. I mean, I I give Jose credit for so many things, and and definitely the idea of tapas being kind of this fun group of first course little snacky items yeah. that you can go at. I mean, the guy, you know, give the guy his due. He's he was one of the ones who really pushed that out there. Yeah.
0: You know, one of the things that I think Brock pointed out in in his article was that um, there was a little bit of fear that when we came back from COVID, people Mm. might not want to be doing the small place and sharing sharing place and that kind of stuff. Close. Um, What are you seeing right now? Are people excited about gathering together around the table and sharing food? Absolutely.
4: It's like they never left. Yep, exactly. You know, you kind of get that sense maybe out on the floor or out, out there, but as soon as they step into the restaurant you know, gather, you can get that energy. And and I think, you know, everybody wants to just kind of get back to some normalcy right there. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, as as Chef mentioned, you know, this tapas is sharing and and really bringing bringing people together. Around the table.
0: Yep. How did you guys feel, as as people who truly educated in Spanish cuisine, about just tapas becoming a shorthand for anything that you share? And then, (laughs) oh, my friends are inviting me to a (laughs) Japanese tapas restaurant, and then I get invited to an Italian tapas restaurant. And you know, it's funny, the places I'm thinking of right now are all great restaurants, (laughs) but I still cringe at that word, right? Um, Has it just become... has it become synonymous with just anything that's shared in small plates? And is there an active attempt to reclaim it as a Spanish word? I, I don't think
4: there's much of a sense of reclaiming it. I think it's almost a sense of of, of of honor, seeing that something that has, you know, up until you know fairly recently, has not been a normal dining experience for somebody. Now the word tapas is, is put out there as, as a description of how dinner is going to be presented
5: you know it's a it's a become kind of a i think a ubiquitous part ubiquitous part of our our lingo you know when you go to a restaurant oh, we're going for tapas mm-hmm. there's a general understanding by the dining public of what that means mm-hmm. and you know does it deviate from the original intent of the word perhaps but you know, I think you mean like, you're not keeping flies uh, out of the drinks at uh, your yeah, restaurant you know anymore. I, I, I hope not. Otherwise, we're gonna get a visit from SNHD. <laughs> but I mean, <laughs> for the most part, I, th- I think you know it has taken on its own meaning in this country. And you know, for better or for worse, or or whatever. It it you know we had this conversation when we reopened Valencian Gold, and we were like, okay. Oh, well, speaking of tapas and sharing, uh-huh. here's some tapas and sharing. I got some right. tapas, we tapas arriving Sweet. right now. Right on.
0: Can we keep it off of there just because of the camera? Thanks. Sure. Sorry. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Thank you. on. Just slide them over. Cool. So good the food's arriving, seg- by the way, everybody. What a segue. Yes. <laughs> Perfect. So the good conversation good. you yes. say that you were
5: having at um, when you reopened. That so when, when we reopened, we were saying, okay, do we want to use the word tapas to describe all these little snackies and first courses that we're doing? We said, you know what? Like, we're not going to change the, the perception of the American public of what, or certainly the Las Vegas public, of what tapas are, so let's you know that word it now means this specific thing. let's just run with it. that's right. what we did
0: cool. Um, the next word on my vocabulary list, we're all trying to get pictures of this so We get a great cheese and ham. Plate <laughs> and the two here, chefs are like, yeah, yeah, and we've got, <laughs> yeah, we've got beautiful olives and nuts and everything's come out. It, it's delicious. This you know, <laughs> is f- why I don't Jose's like the food comes out and I too. get distracted. So I'm going to skip paella for now because what just showed up is the jamón mm-hmm. and the cheese. And look, when I was in Spain... And this is probably fifteen years ago, maybe twenty years ago. I really was not doing much writing about food. I didn't know a lot about food and my family being the um the typical Americans, we were very confused why everyone was so excited about their ham everywhere we went, right? <laughs> we're like, Jesus Christ. It's like uh, wherever we go, hey you want to try the hamon? You want to try that? We're like, why are you
5: people all pimping the ham? But did you go to Museal de Hamon? They're like the giant it's called the Museum of Ham. It's nothing but ham, thank Everywhere. Yeah, everywhere. So could you guys explain
0: the significance? Significance of ham in Spanish culture and Spanish culinary culture. Oh, boy. I think
5: that's a great one for... Yeah. for I, I, yeah. I dug into this pretty heavy for the book. I mean, pigs in general go, you know, throughout Europe. Um, we're a source for, you know, for, for millennia, for centuries, millennia of nutrition and, and whatnot. And, you know, so you say you harvest an animal. Okay, great. You got all this pork. What are you to do with it? And over generations and generations and generations, these techniques and tricks... Came across now. What's interesting is um, most of the time, especially when I well, when I was in Spain, even you know what, ten years ago, when I when I was learning this stuff and working on the farms. But that that this tradition I'm about to tell you goes back hundreds of years and even thousands of years. Um, it's called the the, the sabias or the matanceros. The sabia so. so the verb saber means to know. So a sabia is this beautiful word that means wise women. So these the sabias, the wise women, and the matanceros, the butchers, they go, this is their job. They go through the countryside from family to family, farm to farm, and they're hired to make, you know, in the winter or when the animals harvested during the, you know, the winter months chorizo, jamon, sachicha, everything you see in front of us. Mm-hmm. And so they, you know, They would, you know, the matanceras, the family would hire them. The matanceras would take care of the animal and send the the meat to the women. The women would do all the things with them and, and stuff them the sausages and this and that. And d- during this process called the matanza, which is like a big party, everyone gets a little drunk, everyone's like making sausage and putting the hams in the, in salt and this party and that. Party for
0: everyone but the pigs, right? Well, the pigs, they're kind of the honored guest, yeah. if you
5: will, but definitely I'll tell you, if you don't work, you don't drink, because the sabias hold the liquor back if you don't, if you don't work. So, <laughs> okay. I mean, so, you know, the history of ham and charcuterie in Spain, I mean, it, it goes back really... Gosh, I mean we're talking Roman times and like you know like the Romans used to you know know that the best pigs came from what was called Hispania, the Hispan Hispania together, right? Um which was, you know, where it was in the conquered land of of the Iberian Peninsula and they would send the the really rich people would get those hams sent to them over in Rome or wherever and that's so this tradition goes back a long long time. Mm-hmm. And so today we are the the benefactors of this tradition. Where you have these you know, these incredible products that are now made with an eye towards not only the, the tradition and all these recipes, but also the science behind it mm-hmm. and understanding what's really going on and how to really manipulate that to get a desired product. And that's what I believe we see in front of us. Absolutely. And all mean products?
4: Uh, mean,
0: right. we have, yeah, we have yeah, the yeah, yeah. and the Chorizo. That's fantastic products. And, and now, the, the type of pig, right? Because mm-hmm. the, the ham and the, the hams and the various products are, are what you do with that pig. And the type of pig, however, is, I guess, what I think a lot of Amer- Americans never think about when mm-hmm. they buy a product. They're never worrying about, does that come from this, this breed of pig? Does that come from that in this breed This region, pig? eating these right. things, yeah. And, and and when you order ham in a spanish restaurant you can get it from various types of pigs but at the pinnacle of that is going to be the pata negra right um could you guys explain to me that what what is involved with this pig that i yeah, so i see the, the pictures of them and they look like, like you know, it, it looks like a, a hippopotamus sometimes i mean these things yeah, get it, fat it, out there just in those fields fat i mean you
4: see them and it's like they're so just these are ibérico pigs right ibérico pigs Pata Negra the black-footed pig and uh, yeah as you're saying you see them and you just see them so fat they just mm-hmm. look like they're bred to be lazy and, and delicious mm-hmm. and you know these pigs are given you know so much respect throughout their throughout their life as they mm-hmm. as they're developing you know able to run around just kind of left to roam free given full reign to the right. to the uh, to the acorns as they start dropping throughout the season. And so you see these, it looks like... Yeah,
0: I mean, these are the ultimate free-range pigs, uh, right? I mean, they're not being cooped up in little pens that would make you cry when you see the movie uh, Babe. I mean, these, <laughs> these pigs are living better lives than most house pets do.
5: I was on these farms. I mean, it's, it, we're talking hectares and hectares of just... What they do is they put the uh, the water at the bottom of the hill and uh-huh. the acorn trees at the top of the hill, and so the animal that's, they have to go up and down, and you know, to, in order to, to get exercise. exercise. And, yeah, <laughs> exactly. And it's you know they're actually they're a, they're a related to wild boar, and so what that's what's so special about. you when you look at the ham, is that the the fat is stored within the muscle. That's a that's a trait specifically of of the wild boar. But you know this is it's kind of a crossbreed between it's X percent wild boar and Y percent. Um, pig and you get this beautiful product out of that and that's that's something we look is over the generations they learned So when you see when
0: you're looking at a menu if you see the term Iberico mm-hmm. th- that refers to this breed of pig If you mm-hmm. see pata negra same thing that means the black footed to step it's up a refs, Yep, yep. yep. to step up within that breed correct And then there's one other term you should really look for which means it's acorn fed,
5: but bel- below oh, Okay, so you're, 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 yep I- Iberico de Bayota is so you have Iberico which, if it says Iberico, it has to be a certain percentage of the black pig. So you have Iberico, then you have de bellota, B E L L O T A. Bellota is acorn. So Iberico of the acorn. Meaning now, now we've gone from just Iberico, which there are a couple levels of Iberico ham. There's you know the the ones that are they're fed grain or whatever, and that's you know they they have to be. There's a whole certification thing that they have to label it as. Mm-hmm. But the one that is like the the big boy, the the the, the crown of the whole thing is Iberico de bellota. And that's the, the black hoof pig that's fed acorns. That's, that's what you're going to find mostly in America. If you're buying an Iberico ham, you're mostly going to find Iberico de bayota Okay. Now, these are known for their hams, and everybody pictures that guy with the mm-hmm.
0: bendy knife who just sits there and does nothing but mm-hmm. make these paper-thin slices. It's really hard to do, by of the Iberico yeah. ham. Which, yeah, I've tried it. It's an I mean, art form. <laughs> no. I'm not very good at it. Um, we all picture the hams, but the Iberico pig has a lot of great cuts. And and you guys here at Haleo have several of them on the menu different times of year. I know I've had the secreto here. you have had the secreto, the sec- that that secret cut from but, the so this shoulder. All yeah. stuff that comes from the other parts of the pig that don't make it in the ham. Eric, could Correct. you explain that? And wh- what should people who really want to dig into this really flagship Spanish product of the Iberico pig, what other cuts should we look for? Well, on as, the menu?
4: as you know, you talk about going through the the harvest of of these pigs you know they really searching for the the legs the hams the the front legs the the paleta and then yes you are left with with the rest of the pig so what do you do with that well you start breaking it down and i i think throughout spain and i and i know in your books i've seen part of this is you know the different the different means of of butchery yeah you know you end up with a, a different type of a cut, mm-hmm. you know, cutting something a little differently that we wouldn't <clears throat> normally cut in more of a traditional butchering sense. You end up with like like your secreto there, where you have this, this shoulder cut that just comes out nice and nice and tender. Um, you know, here at Haleo, we, we try to kind of offer a, a nice selection of, of those to kind of, you know, if you want to try one versus the other one and kind of see how they, they compare, because, uh, and there are cuts. there they are. are. If somebody puts are. them out so, on a
0: grill and gives mm-hmm. it to you with just mm-hmm. a little rock salt. That's it. I, that's there it. are people I know who I could feed those to and mm-hmm. tell them it was beef, and they would not mm-hmm. be surprised. It's very they, red. They would. Yeah, it's it's so very yeah. red meat. Yep. Right.
4: Part of that that heritage from the. No, yeah. yeah,
5: that's or, at the Matanzas. Like literally, that's you know when you when you're sitting there working, they send the meat inside, and they'll have a grill, and we'll grill off. I mean, the, the secreto. You don't cure secreto, so like it. They, that's our lunch. Is you know, the secreto or the, what we call the pluma, which is oh. the cut off of the loin. The presa is my favorite. That's it's um, it's a shoulder cut. It's I think I've it's, had that at. Uh, Presa's well, fantastic. I've right? you have my famous. favorite. My favorite. Um, but you know, it's the the t- speaking to the butchery side of things. Really, the the difference that when I was researching and everything mm-hmm. it was. In America, the history of, you know, I said, you know, one man's pork belly is another man's pancetta. Like it's depending on the usage and the, the traditions in the area, that's how you butcher an animal. And it, really in America, we cut through um, cross sections. So we have bandsaws. America was, you know, was founded not that long after later on when the bandsaws were put in place in the industrial meat processes. So they run the animal through with a, on a saw and they can cut through the bones. In Europe, opinions. the, the tradition—they don't have those things. And so, like when I was on the farm, the old man Jose, his, his different <laughs> uh, Jose Andrés, <laughs> uh, we, yeah, we, he, he would—he had an axe and he broke the spine off with an axe. And uh-huh. we're you know, and like, but what they would do is they find the seams in the muscles, and that's where the difference is in the butchery. Where we have pork chops, the Spaniards have secreto, pluma, presa. These are all cuts that when you break off the membrane, these they unroll naturally, and you have these these muscles. And that's these are these the very delicious things that are used for specific purposes because that's just how the the tradition centuries old tradition. Yeah, exactly. Right.
0: Um, we have cheese out with us today. I, I think a lot of people don't think mm-hmm. of Spain as a great oh. place for cheese. Oh. We oh. only picture Manchego, it's fighting the words. only uh-huh. thing that we know. So guys, give me a quick one minute primer. What do people need to know about Spanish <laughs> cheeses? What should we, so what we have what do? We have? I chef. mean and the that's...
4: cheese selection we're looking at here is is, you know, a good showcase of, of yeah. Spain. We have Yoink, you know, starting with the Manchego, which I I think the majority of our guests are, uh, f- everyone's familiar with the little manchego. Uh, we do offer a few different uh, aged variations of that. I believe this is the, the sixth month. The th- sixth, it's delicious. That we're, uh, we're having here. So you start to get some of those little kind of crystals That's that are forming room. in there. Uh, and then we also have a little recilo, which is a uh, cow's milk, sorry, mm. sheep's milk cheese from uh, northern Spain out of Asturias. Mm. One of my favorite. Mm-hmm. It's got a uh, little more age on it than than most. And that's the
0: one in the middle here that has kind of the. Um, yep. You can notice mm-hmm. the difference. Yeah, in the rind. The, the and rind, then the and then it starts
4: to get a little creamy there, and it's still a little dense in the center.
0: And then what's this funky bad then, boy on oh, the end? So here, that bad
4: boy right there in the is mouth. actually uh, that's a that's a Cabrales? new one that's nope. not quite oh. released to. Everyone yet. That's called Mama Marisa. So this is a <laughs> What did you say about my mama? <laughs> <laughs> well, Marisa is, is Jose's mama. Uh, that's right. So, so this I've is named this after one. Jose's mom, who you wanted to give credit to her for this, you know, after she was always a fan of blue cheeses. Mm-hmm. You know, and where, where he grew up in northern Spain, very close to France. You know, you start to see the, the uh, influx from Roquefort. And That's beautiful. Those blues coming down.
0: It uh, has so all the characteristics a cow's milk of a blue, but it is exactly. a darker cheese. It's uh-huh. almost a, a beigeish, gr- brownish almost color mm-hmm. on it, which... If, if I were to see that right off the bat, I'd almost think, oh, is that a pate, it's right? Like, a lot like, of time in a cave, right? So yeah. um, and then you dig into it and it just has all those rich flavors that you get from it. But it, it doesn't, you doesn't punch
5: you in the mouth like a Cabral. No. I thought it was Cabrales. No. I was like, yeah. oh boy, that's that yeah, you're, real. You're, you're trying you get to get, the get it so get it. Too. yeah. That's
0: delicious. Okay, so I do want to chat a bit about um, paella. Because for many people, oh, paella um, is the, um, you know, that, that's <laughs> what Spanish time. food is all about. Can, can
5: we not talk about paella? It's all we talk about all day long. Okay,
0: well, <laughs> oh, we'll keep paella.
5: the paella conversation short. <laughs> no.
0: here, in, um, it, here in Haleo, paella is the centerpiece. You've got the big wood-burning, you know, fires in the middle oh, of the restaurant. The fire pit. A fire pit. Mm-hmm. And Third, these massive the hotel? paella pans. And I was here opening night like 11 oh, years man. ago, and I swear, oh. the entire hotel smelled of <laughs> late right because i don't think you had your fans uh, working very right? well yeah, yeah things Still were not quite and jose up, was yeah. standing on the bar pouring perones into people's mouth yeah. mine included yeah. um, ignore it, the smoke but yeah well, we thought the building was on fire but um pae definitely a centerpiece here you mm-hmm. ring the bell when they're ready you know you kind of have to wait to get it's your a celebration pay. you know there's it's just so much passion that goes into it that's you know it's
4: something that it's everyone is very proud of and you know we want to make sure all the chefs that are that are are making it really they they feel that and mm-hmm. we're lucky enough to have a team where that that's the case so we, once we finish that pie, we want to make it Make a celebration Make of it. Make it known, yeah. Yeah. And for me, the same you'll feel throughout Spain as well.
0: For me, I mean, the key, and I think a lot of people who are, you know, sli- slightly knowledgeable about paella, you just want that socarat, right? That that crispy <laughs> rice that forms at the bottom of the pan. Oh, and I've it's... been with newcomers who have said things like, oh, it's, it's I got burned. the burnt spot. <laughs> oh, why would yeah. I get stuck with you the could burnt stuff? You can put that stuff. right here. <laughs> <don't> but, <you> <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, we've Favorite. got some pan. Oh, <laughs> panc- a panc- panc- beautiful. Coming out to the table. But, so could you explain the idea that it's supposed to get crispy on the bottom? You're supposed to, that is that the texture. most coveted part, yeah. that texture, right. that Build crunchy, texture. quote unquote, burnt part. Yeah, that's yeah, the yeah. shit. That's what you people want. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> is that, that the, the translation? No. no, no yeah, you well know, no, no, it's pretty no. close. <laughs> so,
5: you know, I mean, I um, the next book I'm working on is about paella. And so I've done a little bit, Like um, I've talked a lot of the maestros when I was in Valencia. And we, we, I mean, obviously, every freaking night I'm making you know little we do the little ones but buy have to buy half trying to perfect that idea of what is sokarat. and what I can tell you is number one it's hard to get but it's not hard to get because it's tricky it's just you have to follow the steps mm-hmm. and if you get it and you know you know you know if it's burnt. burnt rice you can smell it from across the room mm-hmm. but when it's toasted and even it'll even discolor to the point where it looks really dark but it's not burnt. not burnt and that's the part where a lot of folks they their eyes deceive them they go oh it's too dark it's this and that and then they taste it They're like oh but that's like it's caramelized to the point that it's like the most uber expression of caramelization and it comes from the idea I mean I'm in, at least in, in ours it's Actually, well, I'm I'm pretty sure if, if Jose is still making it the way I learned it back in D.C. It's when we have a, a tomato product in there. Mm-hmm. It's the sugars from the tomato. It's the starch from the rice. It's the uh, the proteins and gelatins from the meat. All these things combine in basically what is a stock, and as it reduces just, down, yeah. most of the, the number one mistake that uh, my people when I try to tell them how to make paillet, they always go, "But you put so much oil in." But it's <laughs> like the idea is this, and just the quick food science side. So you got the oil in the pan, you fry off the stuff, you get it going, you put the water in. Well what happens when water and oil combine? The oil goes to the top. And then you boil it, the rice absorbs all that and it goes the oil goes down and now what's happening? It's frying the bottom. If you don't have that oil, you don't fry the bottom. You can't get all that deep dark color, you can't get it soaked up. So it's an amalgamation of all these things, and lo and behold, that's so. Crazy. It's that's why it's almost there's an art form to it. That's these what guys, makes every pan. Uh, every, every pan is and a celebration, yes. and, and that's just it. That's why they ring a big bell. And that's why I use a big gold flamethrower to light the fires. <laughs> up. <laughs> yeah, well, that's all other things. <laughs> really, yeah, but I highly fire, recommend it. fires it up that's with a flamethrower, yeah, right? which is
0: crazy, guys. We're running on time, so I'm oh. going to kind of do lightning round here. Um, Ooh. Jeff, your place is called Valencian Gold. I've had Valencian-style pa- paella is in the past. They, I thought they had to come with rabbit. You don't make it with rabbit or snails. I do. nope. Don't they I, have that rabbit
5: and snails? It's seasonal. Um, I have rabbit and snails right now. Okay. And you know, for when I was in Valencia and I learned paella valenciana, I was told by the maestros, look, when rabbit and snails are in season, we put it in. When we don't, we don't. Okay. And that's, that's just it. But it's you don't still use seasonal
0: local rabbits, not jackrabbits, I hope. You know, the, the, <laughs> I hope you're using I, Peter Cottontail, I, I, white pretty I swear pretty to bunnies. God,
5: I, I, my, my local health inspector <laughs> goes, well, I'd like to see the invoices for these rabbits. Make sure you're not on the park collecting. I'm like, are you yeah. kidding me? <laughs> really? but I, I, right here? Yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. So, yes, they are... They are you know, they're, okay. they're really good. Rabbits. So those are good things to look for in Valencia. <laughs> and paella.
0: Let's talk about alcohol. Sherry is kind of the national drink to go with Spanish food. Am I right there? But yet, Jose Andres, Especially is a gin and tonic, stuff. man? So, um, which is more well,
5: traditional? It's just the
0: time of the day there, you know.
4: It's, <laughs> and uh, the intention
5: and purpose is. Yeah, what I exactly, exactly. I mean, there's or del Vermouth in, in Spain, which is that mm-hmm. they they go to the bars and have Vermouth, and it's just the perfect afternoon cocktail.
4: That's that's one uh, that I, I really love, I love about. Vermouth. Yeah, yeah. The the vermouth.
0: I, I like to give people a little. Cheats what they can order so that they look smarter than they really are. So vermouth, sherry, little, little vermouth, apetito.
5: If they want to be real fancy, they can ask for bacanon. It's something we have at Valencian Gold. It's it's my it, it was our go to drink at the beginning of the night and uh-huh. the end of the night, and it's a really just delicious slow gin with ice. It's
0: awesome. Okay, and finally, other places maybe off the strip that are doing good um, Spanish. Food. We, of course, know Valencia and Gold. Mm. We've spoken about E.D.O. Tapas in e. China. I Temples. adore Oscar, is Fantastic. Yes. There's a new place I haven't been to called Hamon Hamon. it's fantastic. Yes. Yes. Yeah, okay. he's fantastic. Any guy. other places that you would, and of course Firefly, just for being the Mac Daddy and have been mm-hmm. doing so long. We love those guys. Mm-hmm. Anybody else?
5: You hit the you hit the heart and soul right there, I think. Really? Okay.
0: Yeah. okay. Well, I'm about to start digging into this food because we got some endives yes. over there, we'll too, that just arrived. Endives. So um, oh, I'm going to start shoving things into my mouth. This is
1: Food and Loathing.
0: <laughs> and that out-of-date sound effect means it's time for the news. Rich, you're the news guy. What you got?
2: Jeff, uh, Mark LaRusso has officially uh, taken over the helmet at win Las Vegas' SW Steakhouse. That means he's rolling out a whole new menu pack with seasonal dishes, updated twists, and some favorites, and a few new signature items. LaRusso is a veteran of Michael Mina's Aqua. He's been with Wynn since the opening in 2005. Among his gigs there, executive chef for Tableau in the Tower Suites and running the kitchens at Botero and Costa de Mare. I miss Costa de Mare. Went there once and, yeah, spent a lot of money, but experience, food, the whole, the whole deal.
0: Our friend Evo was over there running the front of the house for a little right. while.
2: Okay, <laughs> so if you've spent a decent amount of time at Wynn. You have no doubt Seen his food and enjoyed his food somewhere along the way.
0: Yeah, I love Mark Larusso, um, Rick. I'm assuming you n- think know that he's a great chef and it's terrific. Wynn does a really good job of um, kind of you know they they keep a good roster of chefs and sometimes they rotate them from restaurant to restaurant. Oh yeah. Um, but there's there's definitely that win stamp of approval on all of well, them.
1: Well, David Walzog, his predecessor, who was there mm-hmm. for years and years and years. He ran the Country Club and he ran uh, he ran uh, Steve Wynn's restaurant SW and they also. did did the lakeside. He mm-hmm. had it all under his belt after the time he had left. I mean, he was... He was ready to retire. <laughs> so, you know, I've got to say, SW Steakhouse,
0: an incredible, beautiful restaurant, but I don't go to a lot of steakhouses, and that's never been on my short list of places that I do go. You hmm. get go there from time to time if a friend invites me, but um, I, I love Mark LaRusso, I love his food, and so I'll probably be getting back in there again. Um, we've got a lot of news coming out of the Vegas Test Kitchen. First up, Soul Belly Barbecue's Bruce Kalman will debut his new concept, Brown Bagger Sando, this weekend at Jalene Menina's Free Mont Street Culinary Incubator that again is Vegas Test Kitchen. Um, Brown Bagger will offer salad sides and, of course, sandwiches Thursdays through Sundays. And I was literally texting people up until a half hour ago to make sure I got these days of the week right. They're there every Thursday through Sunday for a while. So um, go see our man Bruce Kalman there. Also at the Test Kitchen, our friend Josh Bagwin, who was recently on the show. He's once again in the house at the Test Kitchen slicing fish. You may recall that when we when we recorded our sushi segment a few episodes back, he was without a home. He has since returned to the test kitchen with sliced sushi. And while I was down in that neighborhood over the weekend enjoying a terrific brunch at Peyote, I dropped in to ask him about his return.
3: Well, I got back Friday night. I'm super excited about it. I'm um, just trying to, um, you know, take it in a different direction I want to do some vegan stuff. Even though I used to hate vegan stuff. Now I'm pretty fond of it, you know, I want to do that. and. I want to bring different flavor combinations and take, get away from tradition, but still keep the like, respect to the tradition, you know? And um, I'm just hoping that uh, things will pick up here and get some uh, exposure, and maybe uh, somebody will be like, hey, let's go do something big.
0: So just to confirm, this is still sliced sushi, but it is you solo now
3: as sliced sushi? That is correct. It's just me flying solo. Yeah, no, I'm... I'm hanging in there. You know, it's a little rough. I was a little overwhelmed opening night and yesterday, but uh, you know, I like hustling, so screw it. We'll go hard. Cool. Well congratulations, man. Thanks. Thanks Hal
0: and while i was there i also bumped into josh bianchi and if that name sounds familiar he's a veteran of win las vegas andre's who helped mark vetri open up his brilliant but short-lived palms restaurant he's been doing some in-home dining and special events during COVID under the name so good he's now at the test kitchen on a regular basis with a new name he told me a bit about the name and the food
7: so the name of the concept is binkies um, when I say that, people are like, "What the hell is Binkies?" <laughs> so the story, quick story behind that is, my dad passed away 20 years ago. Before he's told me, he said, if you ever open anything, Josh, you got to name it Binkies. I'm like, "What the hell is Binkies, Dad?" <laughs> he's like, "Well, that was my nickname. My dad was a principal and a high school teacher, and that was kind of the nickname he attained from his colleagues. And so I kind of stuck with it. And um, my concept is fresh, seasonal. I love pasta. Mark Ventures really turned me on to pasta and inspired me with that. So. I'm using some of those techniques that I learned there with him. Um, and I try to kind of get my inspiration from whatever's in season and keep it fresh and everything really simple and straightforward.
0: So um, how large of a menu and what days are you here? All that kind of fun stuff,
7: details. So I'm here Thursday through Sundays. Um, we we'll would be here November and December. Uh, 4 p.m. to 9 p.m. Thursday through Saturday and then 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. on Sundays. Menu, I switch it up every week. I do anywhere from like four dishes up to like seven dishes depending on what's good that week.
0: A lot of good stuff down in Vegas Test Kitchen. I'm going to throw out one other little piece of gossip that I picked up yesterday. I was over at the Las Vegas Ballpark. We're going to talk about what they have going on for the holiday season. But there's a little food provided by um, Mary Sue Milliken and Susan Feniger's organization. And while I was there, I spoke to um, Yancey, a guy highly connected in that organization, and he um, he whispered into my ear loud enough and said I could repeat that um, the the Border Grill ladies are actually looking for space in the Las Vegas suburbs, and they want to take the skewer concept that they're doing in Allegiant Stadium, bring it out to the burbs. I think that would be awesome. I think we do a a little Mandalay Bay reunion. We get a Rick Moonen restaurant on one corner. We We
2: get Susan and Mary Sue. (laughs) We could have a lot of fun with that.
1: (laughs) Love those girls.
2: And no dress code, of course. Right. All right. barbecue episode. Remember that? We had Mike Moore rolling smoke on. He told us about a barbecue competition set to coincide with the Raiders game against Kansas City. That is this weekend. A barbecue battle between Las Vegas Pitmasters and their KC counterparts. An indoor-outdoor venue called Starbase on West Diablo is where it'll happen. That's within walking distance of Allegiant. Roll and Smoke Barbecue and Girls Can Grill from Las Vegas. They will face off against, see if I can get this right, Fergalicious Fergalicious. Barbecue and (laughs) Swamp Boys Barbecue from Kansas City. I've been to to Kansas City a couple of times. I don't recall ever seeing a swamp. Uh, (laughs) Bloodwater, yeah. Levees, yeah. Swamp, no. Uh, It's being billed as a family-friendly tailgating experience. General admission is $10, where you get access to drinks and specials and games, of 50-50 raffle auctions. uh, NFL legends will be there, DJs. And football on the screens all day. A judge's package will run you $35. And for 135 the VIP ticket will get you an open bar, food, access to a private viewing area find out all this and more at event, uh, eventsq, is that what it is? Yeah, it's eventsq,
0: e v e n t s q u e.com. Yeah. And it's right up there on their homepage, you'll find that easily. And by the way, I'll actually be there judging the queue Ooh. and hopefully live streaming a bit of the action on the food and loathing Facebook page. Rich, you're welcome to join me, but I know you'll be giving out football yeah. scores all day on Sunday. I
2: will virtually tune in. Although we got to figure out a better phrase than tune in cuz there's no tuning in. We don't have to tune event.
0: Nobody has the tune. No,
2: there's no tuning involved in the internet.
0: I'm out of tune. Anyway, (laughs) edibles time. Speaking of getting out of tune, I I stopped by Exhale, um, which is across the street from the Palms, uh, not the apothecary shop. It's Exhale. It's a different one. Mm -hmm. I like this place. They've got a great edible selection. Pop my head in there, and I came across something called Coco Nugs. I loved this when I saw them poured out in behind the display case because they look like little pot buds, right? They look like it's flower Uh buds, right? Uh, They had a couple flavors going, happening. Of course I wanted, they're chocolatey. I'll pour them out for you right now. But the problem is, I did not want the kushberry flavor. I wanted something that was really sweet. I didn't want a berry flavor. And they came out, they said, we only have the kushberry. I'd already fallen in love with the way these things looked. I wanted to pour them out here on the table for you guys. So, I mean, does this not Look, look at like that we just opened yeah. up a bag of weed here no
1: kidding. Like so gosh.
0: yeah and it's a it's 100 milligrams per thing there were 10 10 of these nuggets 10 of these cocoa nugs per jar um so they should be about 10 milligrams each rick why don't you try one and tell me what you think about it i'm going to take a little half coming into los angeles
2: amazing. bringing in that's a couple good. of that's, keys that's pretty cool they look so cool yeah
0: <laughs> but I was not a fan of the taste, but that's because I got the stupid berry flavor that isn't really what I wanted. And they have a lot of flavors on um, on their website, things like creme brulee and all not kinds bad. of... Cool. I don't know, man. It just tastes like grape mixed with chocolate, and I was never a grape soda fan. Yeah, it's a little weird. Especially putting
2: chocolate in the grape soda. But the
0: weirdest part about it is, and okay, I'm going to go into the TMI. Like, this is going to gross people out, and certainly not on a food (laughs) podcast. That's why I saved this for the end. (laughs) But um, I've never been a grape soda fan. But, man, do you ever have to go in for a colonoscopy and the night before they make you drink that disgusting stuff that's, like, grape-flavored? Grape or orange or lemon. Yeah. yeah. This brings those to mind for me. So I'm not liking the cocoa nugs in this flavor but i will get them in another flavor and i'll bring them back another week they're, rick?
1: Like, they're like fruit loops they're good they got a great yeah. consistency i could see them different flavors for different people i could see cocoa and chocolate and all that working addictively well with this but uh it's a pretty cool product
0: and they feel kind of like i mean it's almost like a kind of a puffed rice and chocolatey sort of thing i don't know what's giving it that crunch you're the chef rick i mean it, it feels like it should be like some kind of almost like a nestle's crunch bar kind of thing no, I don't it feels know. like a rice crispy yeah like, you know like a, or you know a kit kat bar That's it for the Edibles Review, and that is it for this episode of Food and Loathing. Thank you to all of our guests, Jeff Weiss, Eric Suniga, Brock Radke, and, of course, our recurring guest co-host and the co-host with the co-most, Rick Moonen. (laughs) Thank you very much. Next week, it's all about the sandwiches. We'll talk to a couple of chefs who are at the very top of the Valley Sandwich Pyramid.
2: Please, please, please tell a friend about Food and Loathing and uh, say nice things, especially on an Apple Podcast Review. Either way, though, we do want your feedback your likes your retweets find everything you need to know about us at al's website the and you can reach us direct info at food
0: with producer rich johnson and rick moonen i'm al mancini reminding you stay hungry